Good morning, church. And welcome to those joining online. Hello to you as well. Thank you for being in worship with us here today as we start a two-week sermon series. As always, we're excited about that. And actually, this is a special series in that uh, we've actually done part one, if you will, before. It was uh, a little sermon series we called John Wesley's Greatest Hits. And we had a volume one, and now we'll be having a volume two. Uh, as I say that, I do want to mention to you that there are some uh, special things that are going to be happening about that today. And the first is that uh, it's going to be quite different in volume uh, two than volume one. And what I mean by that is in the first volume, we were really kind of focusing on, on Wesley's words and what he said and kind of going through the different, uh, his, his different ideas of what was, uh, his, what am I trying to say? Not his ideas, but his, his way of thinking and following kind of each different part of that way of thinking here today. Today, we're just going to be talking about basically one of his sermons, taking the idea and jumping off and running with it. And I don't mean that uh, to be anything that's different than um, uh, what's going on as far as, uh, are we okay back there? Okay. Okay, let's stop and pray. I didn't know if they were just going to the restroom or what. Let's stop and pray for just a second. Lord, we pray for Gary and uh, Lord that he's not feeling well in this moment. Lord, as we just prayed just a few minutes ago in our prayer time, that you are the Lord of life. And so, God, we pray for Gary right now to not only feel your healing presence that is in his life, that your Holy Spirit would go and set right whatever is wrong. Lord, as he goes and seeks, I'm sure, medical counsel, we do pray, Lord, that you would give wisdom to doctors and everybody else that will be visiting with him. And we do pray, Lord, that he would be able to return to us soon. We pray for the family as well. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was just saying that uh, we'll be joining in on John Wesley's uh, sermons. And the sermon here today is a little different. I chose this one specifically because uh, in the times that we live in, of course, it's kind of an interesting time to talk about stewardship. But stewardship is one of those things that comes in many different forms. And oftentimes uh, you hear stewardship and then you know a, a sermon is coming about money. I got news for you. I don't know if it's the first time you've ever had this, but we're going to have a stewardship sermon, and it ain't going to be about money. <laughs> Thought I'd get an amen there, but no, I didn't. But, but no, of course, money is part of that, and we don't want to neglect that. But I did want to focus on John Wesley's sermon here today on the means of grace. He actually calls that the means of grace. And what he meant by that, and what he meant by means of grace, is this very idea. He says this in his own words in his sermon. He says, by means of grace, I understand the outward signs, the words, or actions ordained by God and appointed for this end to be the ordinary channels where he might convey to us preventing, justifying, or sanctifying grace. So a couple of things to just unpack right there. What John Wesley meant in, in his sermon, what he really talks about is uh, maybe beyond us here today because not that what he says is wrong or anything like that. It's just he goes into a lot of effort of trying to explain exactly how the means of grace work. But what's important for us here today as Americans is really we are not divided, but are so many things come after our attention. It divides our attention. And one of the things that we want to do here today is really talk about these means of grace. And to once again, for all the things that we have to prioritize constantly in our life, make these priority. That in the day there is time set aside for these things. In our in a weekly life or a monthly life, that there are times set aside for these very things that John Wesley is going to say. Because again, the means of grace is this very idea, is that God has actually set, in, in a way, ordinary channels for us to experience him. That there's actually ways that we experience and encounter his grace, that if we neglect them, 
Well, God's got to work in other ways, right? He's got to do more profound ways, and God can do that, but he has told us, Jesus Christ has told us, hey, do these things, and you will experience me. And so one of the great things that we want to focus on here today on Stewardship Sunday is there's kind of three things Jesus says and talks about and does, and that John Wesley picks up and says, these three things are the means of grace. Now, he doesn't necessarily say that these are the only ways God works, right? And God can work in so many ways. For instance, oftentimes I experience God when I go out in nature. I'll go on like nature walks or something like that or run. Maybe you experience the same thing. And just being around creation just makes you go, just reflect back to God and say, God, you are huge and awesome and amazing. And I can't believe you made all this, right? And it just brings you to you and you just listen to the birds and you listen to the call to each other. And you just experience God in those mighty ways. And while God can use all that, there's really specific ways that God said, hey, do this. My grace will be in your life. You don't get to control God, in other words, to say that, but God actually said, like, do these things. Expect to do these things, and you can experience me. It's interesting that uh, the three that he mentions, he gives three. Now, I want to pause there because when I was going through my ordination um, days, uh, I was in North Georgia, and uh, one of the the questions or one of the things, you know, there's always different things at different conferences and different people uh, harp on and kind of focus on. And it's funny that, you know, we have a sermon titled by John Wesley called The Means of Grace. But when I was going through uh, uh, my ordination, it was not popular to say the means of grace. You had to say a means of grace. Because they're two totally different things, right? Obviously, because the and a, uh, right? But what they meant by that was they were really stringent on don't just focus on a couple things. There's, there's all sorts of ways God works it. And that's true. But at the same time, John, John Wesley gave in one of his 53 standard sermons, hey, there are the means of grace. In other words, do these three things, right? You're going to experience God. Do them and do them with the right heart and the right spirit, and you will have God's regular grace. You'll feel it working in your life. And so we focused on these three, and guess what? You're not going to be surprised by them. You thought some grand reveal of something. Oh, my gosh, I never thought about it. Not coming. Just so you know. But I bet you could guess them if I gave you a moment. The three are prayer, right? And, and I love how he words this. He doesn't just say scripture, but he says searching the scripture. Now, there's a difference, right? I mean, you can have scripture in your life. But he specifically says searching the scripture, which is kind of a different understanding of that. And then he says also what he calls the Lord's Supper. Which maybe we would just simply call it communion or Eucharist, different names, different things, meaning the same exact thing. And so I wanted to preach a sermon here today, kind of a stewardship sermon, if you would, on those three things. And to just kind of delve into them again, not only just remind ourselves how important they are, but maybe even give some ways that we could step into them even fresh and new into the future as a congregation together. Uh, prayer is such an amazing thing, and, and I know our church is a very faithful praying church. I know you guys take these uh, prayer requests home that we preach, our, that we pray over every week is what I'm trying to say, and we pray regularly for them. I know uh, many of you have come to me and just shared with me the answered prayers. We've seen all sorts of prayers. And I'm looking at some of you knowing that some of the, you know, as we've been talking about healing today and, and God working different things in people's lives and bringing their health back together. I'm looking at you and I've seen many of you and I know what you went through. <laughs> I prayed with you and maybe they weren't even in our bulletin and you're a walking example of the Lord's grace here today. And I don't have to convince you of the power of prayer, but I want to tell you a couple of stories and a couple of just testimonies about the power of prayer. Um, Kelly and I, my wife Kelly and I, that is, you didn't know I was going to tell this story, but it's a fun one. So we had wanted kids for a very long time, had a lot of heartbreak, and I've told you those stories before. 
what I can't remember if I ever told you before was uh, we one time went on a uh, mission trip with my, I think it was my last church that we served at, at Purple Door Church over in Grove City. We went on a mission trip to Mexico. And a mission trip, it was, uh, was kind of like a building thing. So we went and helped kind of refurbish and building stuff and do different things. And of course, most of it was really worshiping with and being with our brothers and sisters. And so, uh, you know, they, they were the ones that really were preaching to us in many different ways. And we saw kind of how they lived their faith and how God works through them. Well, <clears throat> so we go to a worship service and I'm asked to preach. And let me just tell you, Mexicans can preach. And when you're an American and you go try to preach to Mexicans, like, there's a lot to live up to because, man, they bring it. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I did my best and all that stuff. And I could tell, like, at the end, it was kind of like, not deflating, but you could tell, like, everybody's like, oh, Pastor, thanks for coming and sharing that with us. You know, and they were kind of like, isn't there more? But anyway, but we were kind of having those moments, but they were singing songs and worshiping and all that stuff. And all of a sudden, um, random lady, don't know her name, don't remember her name, never knew her name, comes up to Kelly and says, hey, do you have children? She's like, no. She says, you want to have children? She goes, yeah. She goes, I want to pray for you. And then grabs her tummy, right, in the middle of the service, right, and just grabs her tummy and starts, hey, I, this is true, right? This happened, right? She's shaking her head like I remembered it. And grabs her belly, right, and just starts praying and praying over Kelly and, and our family and everything else and like that. Well, that was, um, you know, basically a year later, Kelly was pregnant. And her prayer must have been answered doubly time because we had twins, right, as you know, right? And, of course, they were born healthy where we had gone some heartache and stuff like that before. But I've seen that power of prayer, right? And, you know, what changed from before to that? Yeah, there was a couple different medicines and things like that, but we had already been down some of that road. And, like, it was amazing to see that. And I got to look back on that moment because it was such an amazing moment to look back on and think, God was just teaching the power of prayer in that moment in our lives and how grateful I was that someone was courageous enough to say, hey, would you like prayer? And out of all the things they could have asked for, just said, you want to have children? Right? I mean, it's just got a random Spanish lady. Thank you, Mexican lady. Like, I appreciate that. But yet, nonetheless, the Lord works in mighty ways, in amazing ways. You know, as I think about also that trip, same trip, uh, how Mexicans, man, they can pray. Let me tell you, our, our United, uh, United Methodist, like Mexican brothers and sisters, they pray. And here's what I mean by that. Like, when they have a Sunday morning worship, first of all, they go on for a few hours. So be lucky when I get you out of here on time. You, you can thank your pastor. But as, as they pray, they actually gather together before service in a separate building. Like, they're not even in the, the sanctuary themselves. And they gather together. And they go, all right, we're going to pray. And then they literally liable every single aspect of the service, whether it's visitors, whether it's church members, whether it's asking for money, whether it's uh, you know, the finances needed for the church, whether it's the children's program, whether it's the, the pews the, or the chairs themselves, because they don't have pews in that church that we were at, but the chairs themselves, whether it's the people's hearts to be changed, whether it's people coming in for the first time, hearing the gospel for the first time, they respond to us. They pray and they, and they divide up, and every single person in that room pretty much has a prayer, right? And they pray. And they pray for like an hour before service. Let me tell you, when I was ready to get up and preach, I almost preached like a Mexican just because of that prayer service, right? <laughs> because it was powerful. It was meaningful. It was so amazing. Well, what you may not know is um, someone approached me this week from our congregation and said, you know, Pastor, uh, what if, would I be welcome if I came in and before service prayed over the pews for each and every person that would be sitting in them? I said, Yes. Do that, please, right? <laughs> absolutely. Your pastor said no. No, I'm just kidding. I absolutely said, absolutely, yes. The pews that you're sitting in. 
prayed for. Amazing, right? To think of the love that can be shared through the power of prayer and the work of God and our spirit that can be done through the power of prayer. And so I say this, all these things, not to just say, hey, you know, make it a priority. But church, let's not just pray in our own private closet. Jesus told us to do that, but he also prayed publicly as well, right? What would it look like for our church if we prayed together and did it regularly? What could, what could God do in our presence? Not just do it on Sunday morning, but throughout the week as well. Of course, John Wesley mentioned the searching of scriptures, and by that, I love how he worded that, right? Because searching the scriptures, not just reading scripture, hearing scripture, also meditating on scripture, he goes out to say. Of course, I can tell you story after story of when I've been going through something in life, or you've been going through something in life, and someone's come and told me this story about their life where they've been going through something, and they opened up the Word of God, and they read it. And even though this was written by some hand thousands of years ago, that God had worked through that writing and spoke to them in that moment. The very words of God, the very presence of God can be yours at any second. Open up the scriptures. The whole hardly search them. Come with that searching and learning heart. Say, Lord, what would you have me? What do you want me to do? Lord, I am yours. Teach me your ways. God will breathe into prayer. Last, of course, is the Lord's Supper. What I find so amazing about the Lord's Supper, and again, I have to shorten today's sermon because, of course, uh, we have a lot going on, but the Lord's Supper is so amazing in so many ways, but I've always, out of the whole entire way of understanding it, one of the things that always gets to me is when it talks about, when Jesus says, this is my body, broken for you. I think every single time I take communion, one of the things I think about is Jesus up on that cross, sacrificing himself for us, paying the debt of our sins. And every single time I remember the blood that's poured out for us, I think of literally his blood on that cross that was shed for you and for I. It's moving. The very act of taking communion, once again, proves to my body and my very physical form that God provides for me. It provides in that very moment the idea that Jesus' blood is on me and in me and living through me, and his power is resurrected here, now, and forevermore. John Wesley says, don't neglect it. These three things are ways to regularly experience God. And God has made them such that if you pursue them, you will not only find God, be filled with his grace, constantly encountering it. Whether it's prevenient grace, which is the grace that goes before we even know God and God's calling to us, whether it's justifying grace in which we know that God has truly paid our sin and brought us back into his very presence, or whether it's sanctifying grace for God, even after we've chosen to say yes to him and follow him and follow him as our Lord, he actually takes us. He continues to make us holy and holy and more like Jesus every step of the way. These three things, church, and talk about money today, John Wesley would say, make sure you do these three things. Let's pray. Lord, as we're here today, we're so thankful for your love. We're thankful for your presence. And God, sometimes life is hard. Sometimes life can be very simple. And so God, we like children come to you in very simple terms today. Lord, we know we need you. And Lord, just like children, we come to you and put our faith and trust in you and not our own works. Lord, as we come to this table, 
once again remember that none of us are worthy. So Lord, we boldly come because you have promised us grace and mercy. What we just talked about is Don Wesley experienced and taught us that you've ordained certain ways for us to meet with you. So God, we feast and remember the Lord's Supper. Meet with us.